0: From Whiplash to La La Land, writer-director Damien Chazelle and award-winning choreographer Mandy Moore, it's all about one of this award season's most celebrated movies, the magical musical La La Land, here on Pop Culture Confidential.
1: Actress. Yeah, you could write your own roles something that's as interesting as you are. What are you gonna do? I
0: am gonna have my own club. We're gonna play whatever we want
1: Is that gonna happen every time I think so
0: This is the dream it's conflict and it's compromised. It's very
1: very exciting
0: Welcome to Pop Culture Confidential. I'm Christina Jerling Biro. When I say La La Land is one of the most buzzed about movies this award season, I'm not kidding. It literally won every award it was nominated for at this year's Golden Globes, including for the movie, the director, and the stars. It is now the most awarded film in Golden Globe history, and its road to Oscar glory seems unstoppable. You may have noticed that all the La La Land winners thanked Mandy Moore. No, not the actress, but the award-winning choreographer. I'm thrilled to get to talk to Mandy Moore later on the show. She's choreographed for movies like Silver Linings Playbook and TV's Dancing with the Stars. We talk about her amazing musical numbers in La La Land, shutting down major L.A. freeways, and teaching actors Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling to dance, rivaling the greats like Fred and Ginger. But first...
1: City of stars, are you shining just for
0: me? Director Damien Chazelle was only in his late 20s when he burst on the scene with his movie Whiplash. The movie, about an abusive jazz band conductor, was actually partly based on Chazelle's own experiences as a drummer in his high school band back in New Jersey. Whiplash was something of a sensation, and he's now defying all expectations with his next passion project, La La Land. La La Land is Damon Chazelle's ode to Hollywood, and to musicals like Singing in the Rain, Top Hat, and Jacques Demy's The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. And to the city of Los Angeles itself, the freeways, sound stages, and the dreamers in The Heartbreak. It stars Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, whose on-screen chemistry we've seen before in several other movies that they've done together. They play Mia, an aspiring actress, and jazz pianist Sebastian, who dreams of owning his own club. La La Land is about their blooming romance, a love story in the City of Angels, but also the harsh realities of Hollywood, the endless auditions, and the disappointment. The actors went all in. Emma Stone, who sung on Broadway and cabaret, learned to tap and all manner of dance. And Gosling studied jazz piano and plays the piano himself in the movie. It's
1: pretty strange that we keep running into each other.
2: Maybe it means something. I doubt it. Yeah, I don't think so. How are you going to be a revolutionary if you're such a traditionalist? You're holding on to the past, but jazz is
1: about the future.
0: Yes, you are. Maybe I'm not. It's like a pipe dream. La La Land is shot beautifully in 35mm by Swedish cinematographer Linus Sangren, and it's Chazelle's six-year passion project that he embarked on with his best friend from college, the composer Justin Hurwitz. The movie seems to have been on their minds since their college years when they made a successful short film, a black-and-white musical named Guy and Madeleine on a Park Bench. And there seems to be some reoccurring themes in Damien Chazelle's movies. Competition versus compassion. What does it take to make it in Hollywood, in the arts? And, of course, the dreamers. In La La Land, he very beautifully shows the big contradictions in Hollywood. The actors slash waiters that come there to try to make it, and, of course, the rejection and disappointment. Damien Chazelle was one of those dreamers when he went out to L.A. as a young man from New Jersey. So I started by asking him, what does it take to make it in Hollywood to deal with that heartbreak? Who stays and who goes back to Jersey?
2: Um, well, it's, it's funny because I mean, I, I definitely had my moments where I, uh, uh, which maybe maybe everyone does at some point, where I, where I thought, uh, I guess maybe L.A. is just not for me. Maybe I'm just not cut out for L.A.
0: And what had happened in those moments?
2: Uh, well, just, you know, I mean, just the kind of daily ups and downs and daily rejections. I mean, most most of your time in L.A. is spent getting rejected. Um, you're trying to make it into film. And so it becomes a question of how many rejections can you take? Um, and sometimes, you know, I would pour myself, feel like I was pouring my heart and soul into a a script or something that I just felt like was the best possible thing I could ever do and uh and then to have that just not get any traction or just get kind of um, rejected flat out would be would be very hard. Um and and uh and you have to sort of take a moment and uh sulk a bit and then pick yourself back up. But there is this sort of toughness to LA that I wanted to reflect in the movie. I mean it's it's kind of this it's a give and take. You know, the city sort of lures you and has this kind of seductive, romantic kind of sheen. It makes you feel sometimes like you're within, you know, grabbing distance of your dream. Um, but then it has a way of very kind of casually tossing you aside or casually crushing you or disappointing you. And, yeah, a lot of people, you know, don't, you know, wind up not really wanting to to deal with that. I mean, why it winds up being a, a kind of adjustment curve with the city where, you know, anyone who moves, moves here kind of has to adapt to a certain extent. And that was certainly a process I had to go through. Um, and it took it took years.
0: I can see both in Whiplash and in La La Land. I get this feeling that you have themes of like compassion versus competitiveness. That maybe you can't have both to succeed. Have you thought about that a lot in your own career?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, I guess both both movies really were looking at that question of how you balance, you know, life and art, and how you balance the, you know, life and career, and and just the, you know, the sort of idea of the kind of somewhat you know, monomaniacal pursuit of a goal, you know, pursuit of a dream mm-hmm. in, in the face of such overwhelming, uh, you know, obstacles, such such overwhelmingly negative odds. You know, if, if the odds are that stacked against you, you kind of, you have to sort of respond, I guess, by sort of going all in. Um, but then what does that do to the life around you? What does that do to your own ability to kind of be a functioning, you know, functioning human being, paying the bills and whatnot, your own ability to have a relationship, your own ability to relate to people around you.
0: but can you I mean, you're a decade younger than me, but tell me you can have true love and ambition?
2: Uh, yes, of course you can, but I think uh, I think it's more interesting to look at you know look at uh, I mean it, you know, at the level of drama, more interesting to look at um, situations where where it's difficult to find that equilibrium.
0: You have Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, who've done several movies together. Of course, old Hollywood is full of legendary pairings Hepburn, Tracy, Fred and Ginger. Did you cast them as a pair? I,
2: I no, not not initially. I mean, what, what kind of wound up happening was, uh, I mean, when when I first started writing the movie uh, in like two, late 2010, early 2011, I was I was uh, I, I had thought of both of them, um, but but it seems like kind of impossible pipe dreams that. Um, that would never, um, you know, it, it, it just seemed like that would never happen, and then and and then basically uh, uh, six, you know, more or less five or six years kind of passed, you know, in which we were trying to raise the, the financing for the movie and 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 various other casting permutations kind of came and went, and then it was sort of by chance, you know, I happened to meet Ryan while I was doing sort of the Whiplash kind of uh, tour, and then at a certain point also uh, uh, I needed to find uh, someone to play uh, Mia and Emma. Stone was doing a cabaret on Broadway. So I wound up kind of reaching out to her directly uh, and pitching her the movie. And she was interested. And so she and I started kind of talking about the movie over the course of uh, a few months. And during that time, uh, I had you know a couple other meetings with Ryan and kind of started to learn about his interest in old Gene Kelly movies and doing a movie like that. Um, and so I think suddenly this, this prospect that that seemed at first, like very, like kind of an unrealistic pipe dream, suddenly seems like it might Mm -hmm. actually happen. And I think they started talking to each other as well about like, huh, you know, if you heard about this movie, would you be interested in maybe doing this together? And at at around the same time that I became, you know, kind of, uh, you know, realized that that might be a realistic proposition as well. And then it all came together very quickly. You know, it was like a lot of several months of kind of, you know, just sort of teasing around things and talking and talking. And then, and then they sort of signed on actually within about within a day of each other.
1: I got a call back. What? Come on. <laughs> For what? For a TV show. The one that I was telling you about earlier. The Dangerous Minds meets the OC? Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> it's That's really incredible. Exciting. I feel like I said negative stuff about it before. What? It's like Rebel Without a Cause, sort of. I got the bullets! Yes. You've never seen it. I've never seen it. Oh my. You know, it's playing at the Rialto. Really? Yes. You should, go, I mean, Ali I'll, I'll, can I'll, I'll, I'll take you. Okay. You know, for research. For research. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Monday night, 10, 10 o'clock. Yeah, great. Okay. For research. I'd like to ask
0: you about one of the songs that she sings, the one called Audition, which, which just made me cry, like, like I don't know what, which is about what we were talking about before, the dreamers and, and what you need. You need to be a bit crazy to, to get in. Tell me a little bit about that, filming that scene. I understand that she sung live. Um, why?
2: Uh, well, it was really to just kind of, you know, that, that scene had to be a moment where everything else kind of got stripped away. And after all the bells and whistles of earlier musical numbers where it just became about just about her and her character. And so it seemed uh, it seemed in keeping with the sort of total naturalism that we needed to, approach that scene with to, to do it live. Um, and it was something that actually Emma initially proposed even before I did. Um, though, though it had been something I'd been thinking of with Justin, uh, my composer, but, um, but yeah, we wound up doing it, you know, live uh, one, one single take with Justin playing an electric piano often in, in another room into, into Emma's uh, ear, um, uh, you know, into a little earpiece um, so that, you know, basically it could be like a traditional, in a way, we approached it as a traditional kind of vocalist, pianist, accompanist uh, kind of setup where Emma was free to, to kind of slide from dialogue into singing at the tempo that she wanted and free to kind of set the tempo throughout the song and set the, the emotional tone and really act it.
0: Did you know what an incredible singer she was and, and, the, and Ryan also is a piano player when you got started?
2: Well, no, I mean, uh, I mean, I knew I knew they both had it in them to to you know pull out um, these these characters. But Ryan, you know, really didn't play much piano at all before the movie. I knew his work ethic and his perfectionism, and he he just hunkered down and started training. Uh, you know, started basically taking piano lessons uh, every day of the week for about four months uh, leading up to the shoot, and then even during shooting, he'd be practicing in it, you know on a little piano in his trailer, uh, you know, between. Between, you know, during breaks and stuff. So, it was, so that was really an instance of Ryan just kind of rising to a challenge, uh, you know, and, and, and actually kind of blowing us all away, because we, we, we had planned to have piano double and to kind of do a little bit of editing around his pieces. But as it turns out in the movie, yeah, we never used it. And and with Emma, uh, you know, again, I'd seen her on Broadway, and so I, I knew that she could deliver uh, as well. But both of them, you know, did, uh, in addition to Ryan's piano playing, you know, both Emma and Ryan did about three months of kind of on-site dancing, singing, uh, training, you know, rehearsals. You know, we, we just really, uh, it, it, it was, it was uh, I, mean, I think it was the only thing that made the movie possible, really, was that both actors were so, were so willing and eager to do the work, to actually you know, not, not half-ass it and to really rehearse the way, the way you need to. My aunt used to live in Paris.
1: I remember she used to come home and she would tell us these stories about, being abroad, and I remember she told us that she jumped into the river once, barefoot. She smiled, Left without looking, and tumbled into the sun. The water. She spent a month sneezing But said she would do it again Here's to the ones who dream
0: with our swedish dp linus sangren what were some of the references and the visions that you imparted to him that you wanted to have in la, la land
2: uh well the yeah i mean I, the, that was it, it was really one of the greatest experiences i've ever had working with linus I and mean, i think right at the outset we were talking about you know just just any any movies that kind of seemed to point the way towards how to invest real life with magic you know and how to kind of how to take real locations and real situations and. Uh, and a somewhat naturalistic approach to photography, mm-hmm. but give it this kind of extra, you know, magical, realist dimension in terms of color palette, in terms of, uh, in terms of camera movement, in terms of texture. So we, you know, it's part of why we were very adamant about shooting on film, shooting anamorphic, um, you know, and shooting, uh, you know, eventually kind of decided to shoot a lot of the, you know, most of the at um at either magic hour or twilight. Um, to get those sort of blues and purples in the sky,
0: and that must have been a trip to catch the magic. That those hours that you were. Yeah,
2: it was. Uh, it, made, it made logistics, you know, very tricky. But we, were, you know, basically we just we just planned everything very kind of, you know, very minutely, um, and we just kind of, you know, go through in in very very minute detail. You know, uh, storyboards, shot lists, shot diagrams, just trying to kind of build each image of the movie way in advance so that we kind of knew exactly what we were doing uh, and um, and then yeah looking at lots of references looking at and certainly looking at a lot of paintings and a lot of photography um, but in, ter- in terms of films, I mean, I think for the most part, uh, you know, certainly the films of Jack Me,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, the sort of use of color, the old Technicolor films of the, you know, 50s and 60s, especially the Technicolor musicals, Vincent Minnelli movies like Sitting in the Rain, and, or sorry, like Vincent Minnelli movies like The Bandwagon and in St. Louis, Right. Um, and the Stan- Stanley Donnan movies like Sitting in the Rain, and uh, um, and just kind of seeing just how, how the lushness of those color palettes were achieved and and then also just kind of looking at more recent you know recent examples, especially examples of Los Angeles on film, <laughs> movies like uh, you know like The Long Goodbye and uh, um, you know Boogie Nights and um, you know Pulp Fiction and uh, yeah, just kind of um, trying to kind of see how, how how you make LA a character in its own right.
0: So you're going to be at the Oscars. You're you're likely to win some big awards. Will you be thinking about those dreamers slash actors slash waiters? And 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 what do you think that you'll you'll be telling them? <laughs>
2: Uh, well, I've, I'm trying not to think ahead to that too much, but I, uh, certainly I, I've already been and, and will continue to, you know, think of all those, as you say, all, all those dreamers of which, you know, which I count myself, uh, so one of them, and we all kind of were with this movie and there was, there was something, I mean, I guess, I guess in a weird way, the message that I wanted to impart in the movie is sort of the message of how the movie got made too, which is just, you know, just not, not giving up on the dreams, no matter how, no matter how unrealistic it seems, uh, and no matter how, how much evidence the universe seems to provide you that it's not <laughs> that it's just not going to happen. Um, I think you know that's just uh, uh, that in a weird way was the lesson I think we all took from making the movie, and and and, and I think it's in some way the lesson of the movie. You know, just to, to hold on and to not not give up.
0: Last question: What is your next project?
2: Oh, um, well, not entirely sure, but uh, theoretically, I'm, I'm uh, you know hoping to do. Uh, I've been working on movie about uh neil armstrong and the moon landing with, with ryan uh playing neil um so hopefully that'll be shooting um we're sort of getting that ready to shoot um so hopefully that'll be shooting kind of later next year
0: well you can't get more of a dreamer that accomplished something there right
2: <laughs> yes exactly so, <laughs> very true
0: <laughs> but thank you so much mr shill and best of luck with all the awards and thanks again for your time
2: thank you thanks so much
0: Thank you so much to Damien Chazelle. Good luck at the Oscars. The best way to describe my next guest's work on La La Land is simply spectacular. Not only has award-winning choreographer Mandy Moore taught non-dancers Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling to dance, she also choreographed some of the most elaborate scenes in modern musical history like 30 dancers, 100 extras, and at least 60 cars in the scorching L.A. heat in the incredible opening number Another Day of Sun on the L.A. freeway. We are in an era where dance videos and dance competitions on TV are huge, and Mandy Moore seems to command every single style of dance throughout her vast career. In addition to La La Land, she's worked on movies like Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle and Joy, and TV reality shows like So You Think You Can Dance and Dancing with the Stars. Miss Mandy Moore, thank you so much for being here, and congratulations on the success of the movie.
3: Thank you so much. It is pretty exciting.
0: <laughs> I talked to Mr. Chazelle earlier about dreamers, which I think the movie is, is so incredibly showing, and how, and coming out to L.A. and all the you know heartbreak and all the loveliness about and and how difficult it isn't it, and and for an actor, but for a dancer, it must really be the same way. I understand you came to L.A. with five hundred bucks, and a, and a, and a, and a, <laughs> um, I read. But but what, what does it take to make it or to, to head home to Colorado? What what do you need to have as a dancer?
3: You know, I think for me, I so understood Emma's character, Mia. You know, that that scene towards the end of the film where she's crying, you know, he's come up and said to her, you know, you have a big audition. And she was just like, you know what, maybe I'm just not good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe this is a pipe dream you know, I don't know the amount of times I've had that conversation with my parents, you know, or my friends. And, you know, I think so many artists and so many people that pursue something that is, is seems to be such a dream, you know, something that seems so far away, you know, it's, uh, I think it takes an incredible sense of resilience. And, you know, I think just having a like a little seed inside always to like really love it, you know? And I'm so, I have to credit my dance teachers growing up. You know, if I didn't love dance as much as I do, I think I probably would have moved home after the first year, you know, but I knew for me, yeah. I mean, I just, I've never felt so alive. I've never felt so real. I've never felt so, you know, still in the blank of anything that feels great as I do when I dance and I create, you know, and I, and I feel very lucky to have found that in my life, and um, you know, that, believe me, I had my fair, fair share of, you know, those same kind of auditions that Emma was doing, you know, like except for you're dancing, you know, in front of Madonna, or you're dancing in front of whoever, and they're eating a sandwich, and they care less, you know, and you're dancing your heart out. So, yeah, I think we all have those stories, but I think it's the people that, you know, really have a rooted sense of loving the craft. And also a a sense of like, I'm not going to take no for an answer because I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing in my life. You know, I think those are the people that end up making it.
0: It's the true, the true sense of themselves, so to to speak. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, and a little bit of luck along the way, for sure. I mean, you got to get some experiences and some things along the way, but yeah, an ultimate bit of love for sure.
0: In every era, dance has been one of the pillars of pop culture. I grew up in the 80s with Michael Jackson and so on. But I have a reflection. As a professional dancer at your level, a choreographer, it seems that it has grown even more, that today you have to know every single style imaginable to be able to work on the huge shows that you work on on TV, for example. Is this true?
3: Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, I'm I'm a child of the 80s, so I grew up on all of those films and videos, you know, the start of MTV. and that's what inspired me to move to Los Angeles to become a professional dancer. And at that time, you know, I really, it was jazz type dancing that I was looking for commercial jazz. That's what I was mostly uh, what I mostly trained in. Um, But then as I got out here and as you know, there there was a little time period there for about 10 years where there was not a lot of dance happening, you know, very um, little was happening as far as any dance in film or um, television. And then, about 10, 12 years ago, it started to make another, you know, it started to surge again. So luckily, um, as it came back, people had been, I think, in hibernation <laughs> for right. 10 years yeah. and had been, uh, you know, just training and trying all different styles of dance. And, uh, you know, the the nice thing is, is right now in dance, it, it's true. Like you have to be able to have a knowledge of so many different kinds of styles and cultures and types of music um you know it's, it's not just one note anymore at all
0: no because I, when i was like researching you and looking into things it's everything it's, it's musicals but it's salsa it's merengue it's this and i mean you've done everything imaginable which seems to be just uh, you have to have that to get to your level i suppose
3: yeah and you know lucky enough growing up in a small town in colorado somehow we, we at, at the studio were exposed to a lot of different kinds of dance very early. Like I remember my first couple years of dancing, you know, taking a belly dancing class or a folkloric class, or I actually started dancing, break dancing. So, you know, I was taking break, break dancing and ballet and tap. And so being exposed to all those different kinds of styles at a really early age, I think that I grew to appreciate all different styles of dance, you know, and I wasn't just trained in one style completely, you know, I understood that there were other kinds of dance out there. And I really, you know, had a yearning to learn about those and, and you know, put myself in a lot of classes and tried to learn a lot of different styles.
0: What are the styles that you incorporated and work with in La La Land?
3: Mostly the vocabulary sat in tap um, and ballroom, specifically foxtrot and waltzing.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: then there was obviously a little bit of uh, jazz style, uh, old Hollywood, Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, and then even up into like Jerome Robbins and a bit of Fosse in there. You know, I definitely would say some of it sat in, um, kind of Jack Cole style jazz and, but mostly it was tap and, and, and waltzing and foxtrot.
0: And did you do visual research? I mean, did you look at tons of movies and things like that before you got started?
3: Yeah. The nice thing is, is when I read the script, it was so visual. Just even on the page, it was very visual. And um, my very first meeting with Damien after I um, after I got the job, we sat down, and you know, he would send me YouTube links, and I would send him things back, and we would just have all these conversations about. The tone and the style and the feel that he wanted from the dance. Cause you know, I, I think that people can think dance is all different things, you know, and I really wanted to make sure that I understood what Damien's vision was for it and what he wanted. And we had a lot of conversations about how the dance would just happen, mm-hmm. that it would be two people and they would just fall into the dance or even in that opening scene that, there's never a moment where everyone just like stops down and is dancing and doing their best moves, you know, that it has this beautiful evolution. And before you know it, at the end, you have everyone units and dancing on the cars and in between the cars, but it was never a, a, a moment that can happen a lot in dance where everyone just like stops and does like a really cool breakdown. Right. You know, he wanted to make sure that all of that just felt very fluid. And, you know, we would watch, uh, all, I'm, I'm sure many of the great uh, scenes that you would agree with. You know, anything from Gene Kelly. <laughs> basically, um, we watched the opening scene of Guys and Dolls, An American in Paris, Ballet, um, uh, Swing Time, Top Hat, specifically Cheek to Cheek, and A Lovely Day to Be Caught in the Rain. You know, all these really iconic, incredible dance scenes, and we would just break them down and talk about them and say what we liked about them and how we could reference and, and be inspired by. That work for our film.
0: Do you mind breaking down a little bit that incredible opening scene? How much time did you have to prep for that, and how many people were involved?
3: Wow, it was an amazing process, actually. um Just
0: to shut down the freeway must have been a nightmare. <laughs>
3: oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, when you write that in a script and you're like, okay, we're going to shut down the freeway and it's going to be the most epic dance number ever. And <laughs> good luck, it's opening the opening scene, you know. There was a bit of panic that went into all of it, but, uh, you know, I, I did have the luxury of having, I was brought on very early into the process. So I had a really nice pre-production phase Mm -hmm. and, you know, basically the steps went, you know, Damien and I met, he and I would listen to the music. We would actually draw out cards on a piece of paper and in, in, you know, in a traffic jam and he would draw with an arrow where he felt the camera should go. And then we would talk about, okay, that's where the camera goes. Now, what is the camera seeing? You know, seeing one girl get out of a car, and then she's joined by another two, and then another two, and then all of a sudden it whips to another group, and four of them get out, and then someone slips off a car, you know, so the, kind of like the road markers, I guess I would say, were in place very early with Damien, because he was also very specific about what he wanted to see. Mm-hmm. So then once I knew what that was, I went along the path of actually trying to create it, which... I was able to get a skeleton crew of about 10 dancers and we would park our cars out in the parking lot outside the dance studio. Your own cars. And we, <laughs> yes, our own cars at first for the skeleton crew. And uh, we would just play, you know, and obviously we weren't going to get up on our own cars because I don't know if you do this, but if you stand on the roof of your car, you will definitely ruin it. Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, don't try it. It actually will ruin the top of your car. But um, then after I kind of created... I guess I would call it phrases of movement, you know, say that it was a dancer who was moving down the middle of the cars. They would have a certain phrase of movement. If someone was moving across the cars, they would have a certain phrase. If they were staying on the cars, they had a different phrase and all of it complemented or it was complimentary. So, um, once I got that, then the, um, transportation director, Gino Hart was able to get me kind of a, just like a beater car. And then that was really great. Cause I got to actually get up on the car you know, To stomp on the car, flip on the car, do whatever we needed to, and that really informed so much of what we weren't able to figure out. You know, in that initial creative process with the skeleton crew, and then, yeah, once that happened, then came the casting process, which was very specific. Again, Damien had a very specific idea of how he, or who he wanted these people to be, um, what they he wanted them to look like, you know, uh, dance like. So. Um, you know, I was able to hire 30 dancers that were absolutely incredible, some of the best in Los Angeles. And, um, along with a hundred extras, uh, we put together that scene on the freeway and we, we shut down the freeway for two days. And, um, we actually had to go, funny enough, I had to go to a California Department of Transportation meeting, um, and kind of pitch our idea because we were basically okay. begging for, another day of rehearsal because we knew to get up there and shoot that massive scene in two days was going to be pushing it so we had wanted maybe another day like before that time and they basically were like no we're not shutting down the freeway for a day but we'll give you 12 hours so the weekend before we were able to get the freeway from midnight to noon and the dancers you know were called at 3 30 a.m we got all the cars up there Um, we got the camera up there we just went through shot by shot what we were wanting and um, it was a very informative rehearsal I will say that you know because of course there's that panic of like oh god I thought that was going to work and it didn't you know with the camera or you know with the steps or you know it's obviously a lot of things to come together but if we hadn't had that 12 hour rehearsal you know I'm not sure that number would have turned out the way it did so we were very very lucky and very thankful to the Department of Transportation for giving that to us
0: I'd like to get into ask you a little bit about working with non professional dancers. I'm of course thinking of Emma and Ryan who who are excellent but I'm I'm supposing that they weren't dancers before. Um, how do you start with two non professional dancers? What's
3: the first day like? The first day was separate for both of them and I purposely kept them separate for a long time because I felt that I knew I've had a lot of experience teaching, you know, I, I teach children, I teach adults dance. And so luckily I, you know, kind of had that in my back pocket and I understand what it takes to get somebody from point A to point B when it comes to dance. And I knew uh, with Ryan and Emma, especially, I wanted to get to know them each individually and, and get to understand how they learned and what, you know, what their strengths and their weaknesses were. And I knew that if i you know, just put them together, crash them together. in that first rehearsal, we'd never get anything done because it'd be kind of like the blind leading the blind, I guess, you know? And, um, so they trained separately for about six weeks before I ever put them together. And, you know, those initial, those initial kind of private coaching sessions were, uh, of stretching, obviously coordination exercises. I worked a lot on how to pick up patterns and movements. Um, how to hear rhythm in movement, uh, how to retain choreography, because that's the thing too, I think for non-dancers is, you know, Ryan would always like, say, so like, how am I supposed to remember this tomorrow? <laughs> you know, and I, and I would talk to him about how a lot of it is repetition, right? Like you just have to, I have a a way of giving the step to him that will create a repetitive pattern, will, which we will then be able to repeat and learn. So, you know, and, and above all, really, I, it, my big thing is I wanted to make sure that they loved dance and they really loved to learn dance because I knew they would be way outside their comfort zones. And, you know, the worst thing that a dancer can do is not, you know, is not be vulnerable or open. Um, you know, so I wanted to make sure that they felt very comfortable, very confident and that they really loved it because then when we would do those one, you know, those one takes, I mean, their duet take, I think was seven minutes, six and a half minutes. And you know, it was in one take, yeah, and at Magic Hour, you know, and the amount of pressure that was on them, I thought, you know, if I could just plant a little seed of them really loving it and enjoying it, that would get us much further than we just, like, teaching them dance steps, you know, and rehearsing them and screaming at them. So, um, you know, luckily I never had to scream at them.
0: That's the one called Lovely Night, right? It's just amazing.
3: Yeah. The
0: sun is nearly gone the lights are turning
1: on A silver shine that stretches to the sea We stumble on a view that's tailor made for two What a shame to are you and me So The other girl and guy Would love this swirling sky But there's only you and I And we've got no shot This could never be
0: You're not the type for me And there's not a spark inside What a a waste of lovely night and that's a very MGM style type of dance, I guess, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. What is a characteristic of an MGM style? What what were moves? If I can, if I'm not being stupid in asking that question, what moves represent?
3: Well, you know, for me, I think that style is uh, an emotion or a feeling. You know, I think that the MGM style dance had a beautiful storyline. Um, you know, they always had a, a bit of motif, you know, like there would be a certain step that might be repeated a couple of times. Um, there was always a for me, man, GM style movement in musicals always had a beginning, middle and end to the dance. Um, you know, it was uh, again, very rarely did they ever just stop down and everybody dance. You know, it was they seemed to c- continue to push the story forward like any great musical does through the dance. Mm-hmm. And you know, there was always a really nice build, and a, and a lot of um, I mean, I don't know, I could be biased, but I always just felt like that style also had a lot of creativity and and unique characteristics to the movement. You know, it wasn't just normal steps that you'd see. Um, yeah, I guess that, that's kind of how I would explain it.
0: Do you have a favorite one? If one of the listeners wants to go and 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 see what you were just explaining
3: uh well i mean i think for a lovely night uh, we really referenced uh, another de- a lovely day to be caught in the rain um from fred and ginger i mean it's an incredible piece of work and the storytelling and the build in that number i mean their steps of course are incredible but just their chemistry you know dalian and i were so taken by that scene and um really wanted to to inspire ryan and emma Uh, you know, to just find some of those qualities, which I really feel like we were successful at, for sure.
0: Thank you so much for your time, Miss Moore, and and for this movie, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to choreographer Mandy Moore and writer-director Damien Chazelle. La La Land is out in the U.S. now and premieres in Sweden on January 27th. And thank you so much for listening to Pop Culture Confidential. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes and follow us on popcultureconfidential.com and our Twitter, at podpopculture. This show was edited by Tom Hansen, intro music by Carl Boy, and produced by Rene Wittestedt and myself. I'm Christina Jerling Biru. Thank you so much for listening.